blistering starts to a tennis match. The Shakespeare got it wrong. It wasn't King Lear. It's King Lear. LeBron James with no record for human This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Playoffs. Hello and welcome to NL Playoffs. My name is Gautam. I have with me my co-host Aniket. Aniket, say namaste. Hello world. Alright, today is the 22nd of April. Uh, we are recording this at around 8.15am uh, India time. Uh, Aniket, how are you doing man? It's been a fairly busy sport, sporting couple of weeks again. I'm doing well. So, yeah, and it has been a fairly busy sporting week, which makes my life better because uh, there are things to look up to beside work. So, it's pretty interesting. You know, Aniket, because we are <laughs> recording this on uh, Friday, right, it becomes very tough for us to kind of talk about any sporting action coming up over the weekend because those will be immediately outdated. So, I think we need to be a little careful as to how we analyze it because... If we analyze something very deeply about any games coming up over the weekend, let's say, be it IPL or the footballing action, I think it will very, very, very quickly be outdated and we'll look like fools, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I think we should not uh, do crystal ball gazing anyways. So, that's a good thing. Just, just look at stuff that's already been done. So And maybe record on a Tuesday or something. Get more disciplined yeah. about this. But... Uh, for sure, uh, you're right. Uh, you're right that yeah. uh, it makes it it makes a uh, placing awkward because this weekend's gonna again have uh, a lot of sporting action, yeah. and we're gonna be just before the sporting action, so it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, at least keep us uh, on our toes. But you're right, that is on both of us. I think we have to kind of make sure that we are uh, scheduling these episodes in a timely manner and not over the just before the weekend because that's when it, most of the sporting action happens. But Aniket, we have a lot of things to cover. We'll not cover everything that's been going on, but we'll try to, you know, uh, get a good cross-section of it. So, we're going to look at the IPL, obviously. That's been awesome for me personally. I'll tell you why. Uh, we'll go through some of the footballing action and then uh, we'll wind it up with some NBA basketball, which I'm raring to go. I'm really excited about that. And then we'll finish it up with uh, uh, tennis. But... Let's start with the IPL. Okay, so Aniket, I'm I'm in India, right? So it's been really great for me personally to be. Uh, just makes it much more easier. There's a lot of difference between watching the IPL here and versus watching the IPL in the United States, <laughs> because I know <laughs> <laughs> peak peak working hours if you are in the U- US. Uh, just perfect timing if you are uh, in America. Granted, I am also working in American hours, but still, it's just too—it's just that much easy to second screen this if you are in India. I feel like absolutely, and uh, I think we spoke about it offline. But the timing is also pretty perfect, right? So when uh, you're actually typically if you're working the Indian hours, you can just get off work and you have a full evening of sporting action to look forward to. So that's pretty interesting. All right, so let let's let's talk with let's talk. I know we last time we spoke we spoke about teams at the top, but I think it's time we talk about a couple of small teams at the bottom. Uh, the last the last place team right now in the IPL, which which Very warms the team. you know which warms the cockles of my heart. Really, I'm, I and I really really mean this. It just warms my heart to see them at the bottom <laughs> of the list. Is 
are the Mumbai Indians who played seven games so far and lost all seven yet to get off uh, get off the mark as Ravi Shastri would say uh, and just just in front of them are uh, the Chennai Super Kings who have won a couple of games with four points after playing seven games they faced off it was battle it was a race to the bottom uh, uh, just last night on the 21st of April and then i think i don't know if you watched it i watched uh, the last i think last 10 hours of the of the match live it was really cool and it Some was just game it was it was really yeah. good game and it was one of those games that was just tailor made for dhoni man dhoni is st- still got it the man still got it they needed what 17 of the last over i think uh, he was not even on strike uh, when he was when he came back on strike he they needed 16 he hit a six, he hit a four, he hit a couple of runs and then finished it off with a four when he needed uh, four runs of the last ball and just very coolly shook hands, spoke normally. I think he gave out some advice to the Mumbai Indians players as he was shaking hands. You know, just another day for him. Gautam, uh, legends have said this before. Once a finisher, always a finisher. So, yeah. and I was irking to say this, like, <laughs> I was just holding myself back for you to stop, but... Yeah, I'm going to sound like a total Dhoni fanboy, but he made me feel so happy watching him do this. I, d- I don't think I would have uh, felt like this if it was someone else who finished the game this way. The fact that seeing uh, your ex-captain uh, wrap it up the way he did was uh, very... Uh, it warmed my heart, in your words. So, yeah. And uh, it was a great game to watch. So, I have nothing more to add. And I'm very happy that finally someone has displaced us from the bottom. When I say us, I mean so Sunrise is Hyderabad. So, <laughs> and uh, happy to be floating somewhere in the middle. And hopefully, we go up from there. Well, Hyderabad are floating somewhere in the middle only because they played a game less. Uh, they played six games. They have eight points. They're on a four-game winning streak right now. Uh, so yeah, there there are a lot of teams bunched together there, uh, from one to five. Uh, but yeah, Hyderabad is looking looking okay this year. But as I was talking about the race to the bottom, Mumbai Indians has just been. It's as I say this with a really big smile on my face. It's they just <laughs> suck big time this year. I think their uh, what? woes have to do. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Where does this overwhelming love come from for Mumbai Indians? Like, I'm very curious to know. I know the, it, it seems it seems very counteractive if you think about it, because my favorite football team is Manchester United, and for years they have been like the big dogs. They are the they are the team that have been spending big bucks, throwing money around, and all of that. But I don't know. It's it's first of all, it's great to cheer against the big guy. IPL is a fairly new tournament, so it started, what, 2008? I'm more or less, I don't know, I just never liked the look of the Mumbai Indians, just how they were built. They're this, I don't know, this money machine who just, all they did was kept buying big-name players, right? If there was a big-name player, just buy him in the auction. If there's a big-name player, doesn't matter how much he costs, just get him somehow, right? And that's what has been happening over the years, and that, uh, that kind of happened this auction, but they were kind of dumb at the auction, I thought, just based on the selections that they made. So, yeah, that's pretty much why with I really With all that Mumbai. being said, aren't they also the leading IPL winners? Like, maximum They winners? are. Of yeah, course they are. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah. even even more of a reason not to be sorry for them at all this year. Don't you think? <laughs> no, I mean, I've never been a crazy fan of Mumbai Indians anyways. I honestly just follow Sunrises Hyderabad, like, 
it's very one dimensional ipl that i follow like <laughs> just my team so we'll see where it goes and that brings me to the point when you said that sunrisers are on a four win streak that's right and i wanted to just talk uh, a few minutes about not a few minutes let's cut it to 30 seconds but what a fast bowling lineup we have sunrisers hyderabad it just it makes me feel so good i don't know do you have any thoughts on that there is uh, umran malik there is uh, natrajan there is dhoneshwar kumar and then uh, who else we have uh, yensen uh, the tall guy marco yensen uh, yeah yensen yeah so it's pretty exciting and i and i i'm really liking watching sunrisers hyderabad uh, bowling lineup so and then let's not talk about batting cuz our opening is uh, our top order is pretty good i'm i'm worried about what the middle order will actually do cuz i feel they're not been tested so far but uh, when it comes to that we'll figure that out but any thoughts oh yeah i mean uh, the key i think for any any cricket team is their bowling right you need to be able to bowl really well uh, and to your point natarajan t20 specialist uh, he's been great for them uh, but umran malik has is a guy that has caught fire this season right his he is a, he has a great story by the way he's i think he's what 21 years old he's 1999 born and he gets it just tells you how old we are but uh, he's from jammu and kashmir uh, he has been just this tehreway young fast bowler who has been just brilliant with what he's doing he still seems a little raw seems seems to be a little rough rough on the edges but man is he fast uh you saw i forget which uh, because all of these games blend together the last game or the second last game that he played he got couple of wickets i think in the same over or three wickets in the same over yeah he got four i think in total but yeah in in he got he three wickets for no runs i think he yeah, yeah so he got he, so. he bowled a maiden didn't he yeah so yeah, yeah. uh so yeah just just the way uh, it's just great to you know i remember all those years ago when i first saw shoaib akhtar right or when i first saw shaun tate just this all they know all they knew at that time was to bowl fast and this guy looks like somebody who can do that and watching him uh, just beating the batsmen and just the ball thudding into the gloves is just a sight to behold yeah i mean uh, i love fast bowling and one of my uh, you know i don't know if guilty pleasure is the right word but i go on youtube and watch compilations of uh, fast fast bowlers like wasim akram and it's just so much fun to just watch uh, pacers in action so and uh, being that i feel very good about uh, what sunrisers hyderabad have as a bowling lineup and a pace attack that we have and not to forget we also have washington sundar so yeah not to take anything away from him and we obviously let rashid khan go but yeah yeah they they're doing okay uh, even after i did not personally think that was a good idea i know we discussed this a little bit last episode i'm with you on that uh, yeah. but i guess they they did okay with balancing what they have because uh, uh, they do have washington sundar who is a t20 specialist not as good as rashid khan obviously but still does a good job and to your point as i said uh, they've been playing marco marco yansen who's been who's he's a really good he's a really tall south african guy i saw him first when india took on south africa when they went uh, earlier this year or no uh, late last year uh, and he's been really good for them as well uh, the uh, nicholas puran and uh, Aiden Markram has been really good. You talk about the middle order a little bit, but yeah. Aiden Markram has been the shining spot, shining star in their middle order. Got off to a bit of a shaky start, but he has back-to-back fifties. I think he's settled down into that that kind of he can play the anchor role if you want, or he'll just finish games for you as well. 
so he's a really solid buy for them and kane i think he he fulfills a purpose with pitches that are sometimes tricky just takes his time in the first 10 balls i think they were showing a graphic where in the first 10 balls i think he's his strike rate is below 100 and then just shoots up from there so that's yeah. the way he plays now would he be would he be a great fit on every pitch probably not if it's like a batting paradise i think kane williamson should try to just hit hit out, hit out if in some form of the other right from the first ball so but other than that man they have a really balanced uh, team nicholas puran does a really for good sure. job for sure and well. uh, and uh, i should also mention cuz abhishek sharma and uh, tripathi also have done pretty well actually uh, for top order batsmen like when one goes the other stays and uh, you know it's it's been a good uh, balancing act like it's a, it's a team effort so i i like that i like that about uh, this particular team like every time there's someone who puts their hand up and shows up so that's pretty promising yeah. but let's not count no tripathi tripathi you're right man tripathi has been just uh, really good he has been he has he has hit some kind of a good form because i was not expecting this from tripathi because he usually is a guy who gets you 20 30 runs of at a strike rate of maybe 110 or something but this year he has been really really good so that is really good yeah. but as you said you're right let's get back to the mumbai indians and continue to crap on them um <laughs> we have uh the only i think their main their main worry or where their main weakness lies is with their bowling attack now they let they let trent bolt go uh, he's in rajasthan now the only the only but they also have uh jasprit bumrah right right that's that's the only person they have they have four hours of jasprit bumrah and that is it right they do have jay devona it was cut, very surprising yeah. sorry i'm interjecting you again but it was very surprising that uh, mumbai indians lost i don't know if you've observed the csk fielding i think jadeja was something was on he dropped two catches i think in that game and uh, totally the number of catches dropped i just couldn't i lost count i think uh, versus mumbai indians and somehow these guys uh, in the batting just finished the game so it was, it was pretty uh, I don't know what to say, but it's pretty unlike Jadeja. Yeah, yeah, that is really weird to see because there was some miscommunication. You usually don't see that with Jadeja. Uh, he was thinking that maybe another fielder was coming and catching it, but anyway. And then he dropped uh, one more, which was a lollipop or a yeah. sticker, as they call. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was but yeah. Yeah. Anyways, let be that as it may. Go on. Sorry. Let us get back to Mumbai again. and we'll just continue <laughs> to trash them i know so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no so i think their one of their main uh, problem is uh, jofra archer right they got jofra archer at the auction he was their big money by this time because they always have one guy the retain bumrah so they need they, they got jofra jofra archer he got they got them for i think they got him for 8 crores exactly his his, his uh, initial base price was 2 crores they got him for 8 crores Uh, he got injured so he was out for the season right so that give that leaves a big hole because uh, if if this is a uh, this is he's a, a pretty reliable guy too like he's a very reliable guy and also this is an auction where there's salary caps right so if you end up spending 8 crores on one player and he ends up not playing a complete season then you're left with you know a few of the players that are probably not as good as jofra so having said that the, there is uh, Jaydev Unatkat, who's seen as a he's he's a really good bowler. Man. I mean, I don't get me wrong; he's been in the circuit for a long time. He's a really good good bowler. Doesn't seem to have done a lot, a lot of uh, didn't make a lot of inroads this year. Murugan Ashwin, the leggy, he's been out of sorts as well. They played Tamal Mills in a couple of games. I think he's not been really good. So it's just been Bumrah through and through. They've been getting one or two overs from my most my least favorite player to watch of all time, which is Kyron Pollard. who's announced his retirement from international cricket by the way uh so 
Arjun Tendulkar is on the team by the way I don't know if you know this Anikhil if you look at the IPL squads Arjun Tendulkar is on the is on the squad don't think he's going to get a game uh, maybe he's going to get a game because now they're going to let all these youngsters play to see uh, if they can develop them right so maybe he's going to get a game he's a left arm seam bowler so I don't know I've never seen him bowl other than in a couple of videos uh, but yeah the batting has been out of sorts as well Surikumar Yadav is just the only guy who's been really doing well with them. Rohit Sharma seems to be out of form. Uh, Ishan Kishan seems to be out of sorts as well. Uh, so yeah, nothing really going right for them. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing more to add to that. Uh, I agree with every observation you made. And uh, especially with the part where uh, Surikumar, about Surikumar Yadav, because he seems to be the one actually pitching in and... Uh, Pushing as far as they've gone, I think he has a hand to play in that. And yep. You know, man, just talking about Surikumar Yadav, uh, he just figures out a way to get runs. Doesn't look pretty uh, sometimes. Uh, just it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a pitch that is suited for bowling, spin bowling, fast bowling, if, even if it's a batting paradise. He just figures out a way. So I was watch, I, I've been, I maybe watched this so many times. Whenever I watch Surikumar Yadav play, he, he's, he seems completely out of nick. So let's say he's not in form, right? So he's very, very scratchy up front. But he somehow just gets these singles, doubles, just figures out a way, just after stays there for 15, 20 balls. And then somehow at the very end gets settled and starts scoring. And you end up, his score, his score would be, I don't know, 40 of 25, uh, 45 of 30, something like that. Always, always tries to figure out a way to score. Not just for Mumbainis, I just see that same thing when he played for India as well. So I think he's an amazing lo- long-term prospect for India. Uh, they should just treasure him. They should just keep him as as long as they can. Give him as much rope as he needs in the one-day circuit, in the te- in, in the in the T20 circuit, and slowly get him up in the middle order for the, for the Test he cricket. Isn't isn't he? Uh, I don't know how he. I think he's so he's roughly our age. Yeah. So we'll see how long he has. On the yeah, but I think yeah, he's, no. he's in his... Uh, he's in uh, his 30s now. He's in his 30s, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's in his 30s. But I think just play him as much as you can in all formats, to no, be honest I, I agree 100% what you said. So, he's one who'll come in and uh, do a good... Uh, what do you call it? Put in a good shift, right? Always. Like, you can count on him to... Uh, yeah, like you said. put a Put in a good shift and somehow push through... Which is uh, which is what is necessary. Not everyone can be flamboyant, you know. Not everyone is Virendra Sehwag, and not everyone wants a Virendra Sehwag, you know, because <laughs> you score hundred in one game and nothing in the next. But you want someone who's reliable and always comes in and puts a shift. So I, I always, yeah, hundred. Yeah. And and when the chips are down, if if Suryakumar Yadav is still there, let's say with six wickets down, seven wickets down, he's still going to find a way for you to get to a respectable total. He'll still get you. He'll just make sure to get your team to one thirty, one thirty five. He was. I was watching this. I think he was for his first game back. He did not play the first three games. Maybe he got injured. Then he came back. Obviously, because there was no game time for him, he was looking out of sorts at the beginning. The wickets falling all around him. So just stayed put. Stayed put. Just battled through it and somehow made a way to get them to a respectable total. But that's not going to be enough. If you have just Surikumar Yadav and batting and just Bumrah in the bowling department doing well, that's not going to take you far in that shows. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with you, and uh, I think we have uh, dissected Mumbai Indians enough. Uh, I wanted to briefly. Ta- no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I briefly did want to touch upon uh, uh, 
ex-Indian captain, Virat Kohli's form and uh, the RCB in general. So they look like a very good team, RCB. I think uh, especially in the batting lineup, uh, they are pretty good. And two things I want to talk about. One was Virat Kohli's catch. I forget whose catch. He just plucked it out of the air. Uh, one catch, which was pretty yeah. amazing. And uh, and his also run out. So he was run out, and that was some crazy run out. Uh, who who took that run out? I think it was Lalit. Uh, I forget his yeah. name. Lalit Yadav, I think, is his name. I yeah. I forget his name. Yeah, but what a run out that was. That was like some insane stuff, insane fielding, like direct hit on the stumps from like almost like ninety degree angle. So it was pretty cool. But that being said, like, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Kohli? And I I'll tell you why I'm talking about uh, Kohli because uh, because he's clearly struggling right in at least in batting i'm not saying as a as a team rcb struggling but i think he's struggling to get off the mark uh when i mean that to score big runs not get not get out of zero but uh, score big runs and uh, what are your thoughts on basically him because this whole uh, getting out of the captaincy was uh, to actually focus on batting and just wanted your thoughts so you know when things are not going for you they never you know nothing seems to be going right right when things are and, and, off and that's the, that's that's the run out kind of uh, yeah. thing that moment like kind of makes you realize oh this is like really i mean it was a good run out but yeah. it was so unfortunate also and and uh, the poor guy man he was on i think the, the there was a game uh, when they were about to win and he was unbeaten he played really well he got 48 and then he got lbw right at the very end and <laughs> he reviewed it because there was an inside edge and it should have been given not or even on review because it was one of those where it seemed like it was hitting the bat and the pad at the same time but for me just looking at it from the naked eye it was hitting the bat and then the pad i there is there's always that bit of a lag in in the ultra edge where the spike comes up so it's very hard because when because of that microsecond lag the ball seems to be hitting the by the time the next frame comes about because of that microsecond the ball hits the, the ball seems to be hitting the pad and that's when the spike comes but whereas the spike was actually off the bat right so it was one of those he got really unlucky he knew it because he felt the bat uh, for, uh, he hit he felt that the ball hit the bat first and then the pad so it was just livid with himself and then you know i don't know if he i saw ravi shastri's comments for cricket for the other day he said he's overcooked and he needs a break uh to just get back into form and serve indian cricket for the next 5 or 6 years is what he said i think so which i think i agree with uh now the problem i i just want to say i i don't agree with that because uh, i think apart from the batting he like i said his fielding and the way he has a lot more to give and that's what is a good player like i talk about it. sorry i interjected you randomly but uh, even though he doesn't do his bat he's pretty good uh, with the fielding and uh, there is still major things he contributes but, to but 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 uh, if he's not batting well doniket let's say he, he's if he continues the string of uh, single digit scores right not not just for the franchise but for india even if even if he brings a lot into the fielding it's still not going to be a lot in the way of uh, him contributing to the side if he's not batting well because so, i mean I, i i agree with that 100% and i i i say this uh, with the sense that uh, i don't i think form is temporary class is permanent right <laughs> so no I, no I, he, I he's going to find I out a way expect him to come back he's going to find his rhythm over time yeah. and it's it's a phase you know but so i think the problem think. with yeah i think the problem with uh, kohli at least again I, i speak this as a complete armchair expert that he seems to be sticking to 
what went right for him all these years right without changing and the and the teams are still exploiting what his perceived weaknesses are which is early on just try to try to bowl a ball at a good length and outside the off stump is going to fiddle at it he's going to give you a catch he's going to either edge it he's either going to uh, put a ball in the air and uh, because the last time the last game he got out he got out to uh, a guy i think a ball outside off stump good length he got out to a man at gully uh, the, the i think there was a wicket there was a dismissal area where similar ball he got he got out nicking the ball to the wicket keeper that's that's been like the standard way to get kohli out for the last two years now and uh, he see, still seems to be uh not adapting at all he still seems to be sticking to what has been working well for him all these years which is to be assertive and plays play play plays shots outside off stump but when you're not in form you're going to nick those more often or not so unless you try to work away around find a way around it i don't think this is going to work maybe uh what ravi shastri said is right with when he said he needs to take a small break just to f- clear things out in his mind because just the calendar is so packed man just there is no no respite at all so might not be a bad idea uh, to, to to take a small break no i i agree i i actually to be honest i learned about this today i never saw kohli i never observed that kohli goes out one typical way and teams actually use it against him. i never observed that so that's a good observation and if if that is true yeah for sure you know and you one thing is you got to adapt if not anything else uh, in sport i think you as you grow older you got to adapt and i wanted to talk about one thing too as well is it in ipl i did observe a lot of these retired cricketers who are actually playing so there was ambati raidu it was good to see him back uh, robin utappa is there there's dinesh karthik who's doing pretty well dinesh uh, karthik is the man for rcb so It's good to see, uh, you know, Dhoni, the man, obviously, and he can keep going uh, for all these players. But I could see one thing very clear, like, and maybe this is a very unfair comparison, but if you look at uh, players in cricket versus, I would say, internationally retired players in football, you would see that they're at a very different fitness level. You know, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, you can see that these uh, cricketers... don't take anything away raidu took a fantastic catch recently and uh, you know i'm not questioning their abilities but uh, just from a fitness point of view i think to my eye they look you know sluggish and slightly uh, uh, i don't know what is out of outer shape so i mean rohit sharma has a paunch paunch yeah i mean i'm just saying like uh, maybe it's an unfair comparison to compare them with footballers but uh i'm saying if you see an international retired footballer who's playing in any league i think they are much more fitter and uh, this thing and i could see it with even dhoni he looks older and little bit more uh, you know not in his prime type he has that look where he doesn't seem to be in his prime obviously he's retired he, he, he can, cricket, he can so. still run though man he can still run i know i know i know i know i the, the running bit in the wicket yeah, yeah i think i i i think it's an unfair comparison because different sports i agree i agree different sports require you to have different levels of fitness now if you are a, a basketball player or a football player where you are supposed to be constantly be on your toes to keep running and running and running all the time that requires a different level of fitness whereas in cricket let's say if you are a guy standing on fine leg for the most part the odds are that maybe 10% of the time the ball is going to get to you right yeah, yeah. so it depends yeah, on and no i, I agree with you i i do agree actually i i when i rethink this uh, it makes sense cuz it also you can see that cricketers typically have a longer career because it's 
well it is it is a physical sport but it is not like like you said football and basketball right so you can typically have longer careers and sustain slightly longer as compared to uh, other sports so no i just reminds me of the tired and old adage of uh, the ceo of news laundry abhinandan sekri who says cricket is not exactly a sport because it if you if you if you can have players his his comment is if you can have players like inzamam and adrana tunga play cricket that's <laughs> not a sport which is like okay it just it just is a different sport just sport does not just mean elite fitness it also has skills involved right not everybody can uh, have the same uh, hand eye coordination as inzamam ulhak who can face 150 kilometers an hour delivery and face it in a way that he has so much time right it's you have to react to a ball that is so fast in like half a second i think or less than half a second till the ball reaches you so to to have to be able to play against bowling like that or to be at least bowl like that at that pace requires some amount of fitness and some amount of some amount of skill so it's just different sport different skills different levels of fitness yeah and it's also very people dependent i think and typically uh, cricketers i think now the new generation i think especially start with the australian team where they came out like ripped uh, but prior to that you would see it was more about technique i think that was my observation you never see like six packs in normal players and you know it would uh, just it would just not be the thing it would be it would be with the one odd player who actually has it but now it's getting better and better as sport medicine progresses so it's uh, getting better and better and better yeah and and the spo- sport yes and also the uh, professionalism uh, because we have central contracts for all these big teams now so that helps because central contracts means that the player knows that he's going to play for in or he's going to represent his country or the elite level for the next 2 years or 1 year right so that has that goes a long way to if you are centrally contracted it, the board can make sure that the player is under your control make sure he is fit make sure you give him all the facilities that you need obviously the more money you have the better it is too so it was not the case uh, before so when australia introduced uh, central contracts the in india did the same thing uh, ecb england did the same thing so that obviously we'll see a rise in the fitness levels as well that's good and let's uh, so cap off uh, ipl i had just one point to add but i'll let you go before do you want to add something uh, no more? just want to plug my uh, rajasthan royals team again still doing good uh, they have eight points six games played so if they uh, i think they're what they're sitting third right now with a game in hand technically right so uh, josh butler has been just uh in a purple patch man is his leading run scorer in the IPL uh he's got couple of centuries i think he has maybe one or two half centuries his his leading run scorer by far just the form he is in he just makes it look easy sometimes but is uh, at the top there josh butter and sanju samson have been just lights out so really good and obviously in the same team they also have the purple cap holder who is yuzvendra chahal who got a hat trick recently so really good balance side uh, we discussed them at length last week so last time so uh they're still continue to do well i have big hopes for them this year yeah i mean you guys are ahead of us on uh, what do you call run rate i think net run rate or yeah so we will see i'm i'm curious how the season pans out but before that i did want to add uh, something gotham I mean, and this is related to a podcast so we do talk a lot about sports athletes but I think you and me both agree on this that when we when we started this podcast, the point was to introduce the sporting ecosystem to the people, 
so kind of go behind the scenes and uh, you know talk to the other other the backroom staff and other people so one thing i'm really interested in is actually talking to sports statisticians especially in cricket because i know that statistics is now heavily used even in ipl so it would be really cool if you could actually pick the brains of someone who's actually you know been in this field and just learn about uh, more about what they do and how they do so uh, i don't know this is a good time to maybe say write to us if you know someone or if you are in that field write to us at uh, podcast at newslaundry.com or you can also write in the letters which is the podcast letters is a drop down menu so write to us let us know what you do if you know someone interesting or if you want to tell us something interesting in these lines we'd love to hear from you yes That's please drop a note drop a note yeah um, with that any yeah let's move on to football aniket yep so uh it has been a packed week of action so in football so there has been leagues football happening and champions league so which one do you want to go first gautam uh, let's do the champions league first champions league good choice so a uh, <laughs> couple of very uh, amazing games very good games happened uh, one was uh, real madrid and chelsea so did you catch that game it was basically a champions league quarter final where madrid edged through 5-4 with chelsea the first game was at uh, stanford bridge which madrid destroyed there was a karim benzema hat trick that happened at stanford bridge and then surprisingly when all chips were down and everyone thought uh, this game was shut chelsea came to santiago santiago bernabeu and put up a great show so they were up 3-0 actually and in i think this was in the first 60 minutes some 75 minutes i think they were, they were up 3-0 and the game and they played so well they literally uh, shot real and then uh, actually i would say they played well for 90 minutes and then uh, things uh, went downhill for them uh, karim benzema again came up and scored so he doesn't seem to stop scoring right now he's he's, you know, he's in some form uh, contrary to virat kohli when things are going right for you they uh, everything seems to go right for you right so somehow <laughs> benzema is is there right place right person right time always somehow finds a way to score these days yes i think chelsea were the better team on the day but then the 3-1 deficit was too big to overcome uh, you know just goes back to the first leg when um, mendy gave up that very easy goal right just gave an open net to benzema and just you know that that goes a long way right if they hadn't conceded that goal that would have been in uh, Uh, you know who knows what would have ha- what would have happened right but again uh, we were texting a little bit back and forth about this which was you know tukel was making all kinds of statements and you were talking about this in the last episode as well so he was practically saying no there's no way we can win the second leg it's pretty much done uh, we are we have the premier league to take care of we have what we are 3-1 down there's no way we are going to uh, win in uh, madrid and so on but that seems to uh, light a fire in their belly man they were they just came out and just started out with a bang and uh, i think we agreed on this we I, i speculated at least i don't want to talk for you that this was to you kind did. of rile up rile up his players and get a reaction that was and totally I you this... I, i'm going to give that credit to you you totally called so, that so so i mean <laughs> no i just speculated to be honest but but it, it seemed like that's what he was trying to do and i think he got a reaction from his players because they had some game that day it was really good it was so refreshing to see chelsea play they were calm composed they had everything under control but then again uh, 
the story would have been totally different right if it was now uh, if they had the away goal rule like uh, things would have really changed but then having no away goals actually uh, changed a lot of things so i mean no, people yeah, chelsea scored yeah. three actually it wouldn't have been very different because both teams had three away goals but no then, but still they would have played differently right if there was ever exactly, game, away, exactly. away goals exactly 100% rule, so. 100% yeah. right so um, yeah and that that's one change in champions league i'm still getting used to i won't say i'm completely accepted uh, the rule yet even though it's there uh, and this takes me to another game that happened no so, before we do that can we talk about that luka modric pass uh, to score that goal <laughs> the outside of the oh, foot oh, cross from <laughs> oh my god what a i don't ball. know he, how he even saw it he just looked up uh, the ball was in a certain area of his foot he just thought okay let me let me pass this with the outside of my foot and just feed it to rodrigo a what a call. brilliant pass that was a good call i forgot about that oh my god yeah that that goal just made me wave my hands up and down so yeah. the thought of that goal it was, it was that was some ball yeah no that was amazing but yeah go on that, yeah. i think we should talk about villarreal oh yeah and that was uh, that was another uh, very interesting game obviously i couldn't catch it live but i did see the highlights and uh, they beat bayern 2-1 on an aggregate so bye bye bayern munich uh, seems like lewandowski won't be there in the semi finals and uh, did you have anything to add i thought villarreal played really well and i just have nothing more to say except that uh, bayern just couldn't put goals together like they yeah. played they played two perfect games against a team that was much more superior to them villarreal have no business to be in this at this stage of this competition because it's a it is a money league the the big teams make it through to the last four typically uh but they played two brilliant games they just hung hung in there hung in there hung in there they got the goal at home uh, and finally got the goal uh in the 88th minute uh lewandowski did score i think was it a pen- i totally blank out i don't think it was a penalty it was a normal it was a it was a uh, an open goal i think um open field goal i should say uh but yeah I looked out of sorts bayern munich i don't know um this they seem to be okay in the bundesliga it's one of those years maybe where they were just not good enough they have they do have some uh, uh players that they might have to uh, look to replace i don't know if uh, thomas muller is still got it he's still a great player for me personally i love the guy but i don't know if he if they need any reinforcements because the uh, lewandowski is good but kinsley coman garetsk all of these guys are there lira sane all of those players are there but I don't know if uh, it needs just a bit of uh, uh, fresh energy for next season. No, and again, I can't point to point my finger and say this was the problem with Bayern. You know, I I don't know. Maybe I just was not observant enough to understand. But it just felt like Villarreal came and did a thorough job into like they were well prepared. They just knew what to do, and obviously, uh, it it has to be brought out that Müller, Lewandowski. Komen, all these, uh, even Nabrigo was bought on. Uh, they just couldn't fix it, even with the lineup they had. They just couldn't uh, fix it, and Villarreal put in a very good uh, show, both defensively and offensively. True, true. So, uh, yeah, it always you always have at least one team every Champions League that makes it far. You know, there was. Uh, uh, and I Ajax just love was it. Not, I know it's great. Who, who uh, doesn't like an underdog story? I know. So I think mm-hmm. yeah. Benfica sometimes makes it Ajax randomly makes it uh the Spurs made it a little bit like technically they're not a very really small team but always great to see these teams uh we also have I don't know if you ca- caught any of the Atletico Man City game that was just awesome to I watch did. 
you yeah, so awesome i i mean i did you like, hate watch atletico again hate i was like come on like it was it just bored me like it was just boring it was so like so predictable i didn't I, i just didn't know what to do i mean like i was hoping that atletico would like put on some once they took it home like i understand what you did at etihad given you know you're going away so okay you shut shop keep it simple but once you're at home you have luis suarez you have yao felix i did think they would actually you know uh, uh throw in a few punches and really surprise man city because i think it was up for grabs but it turned out to be a very predictable setup and it it was a boring game in my opinion i had nothing more to add i, I think, think they almost really played struggle yeah they, they atletico came out with five at the back i think five four and yeah. one almost so it look atletico that's the way they're going to play if it's I have if, nothing if against a, that i mean if a, i have nothing yeah. against that but then the point i'm saying is point i'm trying to make the larger point is i think they had to score and Correct. it didn't seem that they wanted to score that my complaint was uh, they did, against yeah the, so uh, it, it didn't come to say that okay let's take one goal and then sit back or whatever it was like oh let's sit back and see if we can score a goal like that that was that was my understanding of what they were trying to do which i thought was like if you're playing that way you you're almost conceding defeat as so, long as simeone is coaching them their strategy is going to be against superior opponents is to just sit back doesn't matter if you need one they still need a goal here because they were down by a goal uh they, their plan was to sit tight stay solid <coughs> sorry stay solid at the back uh for the 60 or 65 minutes and then try to get a goal their main aim was not to concede right so they so that that was the strategy so that's why they started with five at the back Uh, it's, in it's in 100% legit strategy it's in 100% legit strategy cuz i still remember mourinho schooled us uh, with that strategy when he was at inter milan like but the difference was he had goals at home you know it was uh, he did that having some sort of upper hand for a lack of a better word like you had goals and then you come to camp now and you just basically shut everything right you you park the bus what they what they call is park the mourinho bus and they did that and good to them because they won the champions league after beating barcelona but here i ju- i just felt uh, like oh there was a lack of even trying to win i don't know i thought they could have actually pulled something in the offense they, they don't have a bad uh, yeah. front line actually they have a pretty good yeah. front line so it's uh, but again it's managerial so let's leave it at that I, i think yes yes i think all the all they are dependent on are some set pieces to go their way in the first 60 65 minutes and then if they're still down then try to attack a little bit in the last 15 or the last 20 minutes uh, they also i don't know i don't know what simuni has man i don't know if he casts a spell over the team or not but they have this siege mentality i call it siege mentality which is oh it's the whole world against us everybody is against us doesn't matter who we are playing against doesn't matter who uh, who the referees are doesn't matter what the tournament is everybody literally everybody is against us and this is a standard tactic and if you uh, even mourinho did this right through and through and you can see that in i think amazon prime's uh, all or nothing tottenham hotspur i think he's called that time and on even with chelsea like inter milan oh it's us against the world but i think it just started failing at one point with the younger generation players like when you had folks like john terry didier drogba people who really wanted to fight he could get the best out of them but uh, it just seemed that at the uh, lag end of his i won't say career but in england it just stopped working you know that mentality of oh it's us against them they are the villains always always trying to rile up the players to fight a battle and, and well it's you got the, to that's man management but so, the surprising thing is 
usually such such uh, those coaches like them who uh, who follow uh, who inculcate or who imbibe such mentalities over their players only work for a short term period if you see with Mourinho but Simeone somehow has figured out a way to rally the players behind him and they just love that guy uh because how long i mean and you will yeah. never see an atletico madrid fan no. say boot to him no it's not going to happen no. like it's 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 that club against the world basically he's created he's cultivated an atmosphere and that is well more part to him because it's not easy to you know really have your fans like chant your name even though your team is like you know not doing it, well so it, it's almost like a cult following it's it's crazy yeah. how much i mean you can see the crowd every every foul that goes against them every whistle that goes against them every tackle that goes good that goes against them they just up in arms right but uh, hey it works for them so i'm i'm yeah. not really it's 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 crazy let's not forget they were the two around. champions league finals you know so two champions league finals uh, didn't they win a la liga they did they have a they title did. don't they so yeah. amazing yeah. with the team that they have and the budgets that they've had because i've seen exactly. atletico over the years right so it's amazing to see them uh liverpool made it to the semi final so it's going to be man city real madrid that's the game to watch out for in the semis and then it's going to be villarreal taking on liverpool so liverpool should technically make it to the finals again i'm going to put my money on liverpool yeah Yeah, Man City. But it would, be, it would be fun to see Villarreal give one hell of a fight to Liverpool because Liverpool is a in a very good form and they're they're a formidable team. So it would really show Villarreal's character of how they come out for this game because it would talk a lot about the team. And I I'm looking forward for surprises. But I put, if I had to put my money, I'd put it on Liverpool. Liverpool are the best team in the world at this stage right now. They are just lights out. So, uh, Liverpool should have a. You know, that's actually a thinking. very good segue to go to Premier League. Yeah. Actually, because yeah, Liverpool yeah. played United and uh, it it didn't end very well because it was at Anfield. Uh, the score was four nil. I saw the game live, and boy, Liverpool were at it in the first half. They just uh, Thiago was like doing three sixties with the ball. They were like kids out there having fun in the park, and uh, I say this with extreme pleasure. that uh, man <laughs> man united seem to not have answers to what was happening but uh, i'll let you take it from here no look there was the result was never in doubt i i watched i watched the game the result was never ever in doubt if it was a draw it would it, it would have been worth 3 points for me personally because there is no way united had any any chance of winning gary neville i think said maybe there's a 10% chance of united winning before the game as like Gary that's way way too optimistic. Um there is just given the two teams uh, the just But the gulf between I, I, Liverpool I, I, and I Man United. To, I do want to step in here. Uh yeah. I I agree to what you're saying. Liverpool just beat the Premier League uh, leaders very convincingly. But the way they lost. Yeah, uh it was fine. But the yeah, the inexcusable. Like you cannot you cannot have a 9-0 total loss in a season to uh, one of your arch rivals and this is Liverpool and United have been it's it's, it's a sort of a derby like it's not uh, you know it's not any other two top two teams playing so i don't know it just seemed like uh, well no nothing United... surprised me the nothing surprises me uh, i've told us time and time again they lack an identity they don't have a way of they had don't have a style of play they don't stand for any style of play 
they have nothing bruno i think bruno came out and said there is nothing for us to play for after the game so that that may be uh, is why uh, the motivation is not there for the players i don't know because they are what they have at least something to play for they have so they have, they can still finish in the top 4 but they're out of every other tournament that they can, that they were in so that is there but still it it even if even if you are not playing for anything you are still playing in the premier league you can still get to the and you're top playing for man united you're playing, playing for, for the man united yeah. it is and all of that stuff it is one of the most legendary clubs in uh, yeah. football not i won't say english football i'll say in football but be that as it may there is good news hopefully coming to united so ten hag has been confirmed so congrats to you folks but <laughs> i did want to touch upon uh, no look, look, hold on he's the eighth manager i think in the last 10 years i think oh yeah he's the eighth manager after alex ferguson so uh is a great signing obviously don't get me wrong but uh, can he change the culture around yes uh, he's been given a four year contract he i really really rate him as a manager he's excellent but you know i'm not holding my breath that he's going to turn it around the next season he's going to take two or three seasons at least to turn it around so again i just hope i just hope i just kept saying this with ali as well who whoever you appoint just give him a long rope you need somebody uh to be there for a sustained period of time to see if it works so that means make the right hire and give him as much time as he needs uh, similar to what arsenal have been doing with arteta they're still struggling they're still very inconsistent but he's slowly He'll come to arsenal I've, yeah right he's slowly turning things around there right so uh, they lost three straight arsenal and then now they won again against chelsea so but still there is a sense of turning things around at arsenal so you need a good manager in the first place and then you need to give him a long rope and you kind of give him you have to give him the resources that he needs so uh, there's going to be a big overhaul coming up by all accounts i'm pretty sure um, some tough decisions i think there are, i don't know there are just uh, a million midfielders in united right now so they all most of them have to go uh, personally speaking just keep the players that you trust keep the players that fit into your system that means Actually, some of the senior- very, i'm going to i'm going to interject you here cuz that's a very good point and that kind of segues to my next question so i'm going to interject you sorry but uh, the point was uh, the players you have ten hag is on a big project it's not going to be easy because when ralph ragnick was asked in a press conference uh you know what's up he said oh we might have to rebuild the team we have six players then he was like oh no maybe eight and then he was like i don't know did he say 10 but it seems <laughs> he like he's going to say yeah. oh yeah he did say 10 so yeah i think so. you can imagine the current manager and the one player he has in mind who can stay is dehaya who's been brilliant actually this season for you guys so it's just it's one hell of a job for ten hag it's not going to be easy it's going to be one of something like when klopp came to liverpool like first two three years is just going to be rebuilding you're going to you know really just push academy players if you have to get 10 like 10 players and that's what the current manager saying which just talks a lot about uh, ranik as well because i don't know what he's doing here like i understand it's brilliant he's come to manage for six months eight months whatever he's going to understand the problems maybe go up on the director's box but as a coach he's done nothing he talks about heavy metal football you know closing down i don't see manchester united closing down i don't see a philosophy so he's imparted nothing basically i think uh, i don't know i don't know i don't understand what he's i blame him majorly too cuz uh, maybe he doesn't have the players but it's not like he, he made an that's effort that's the key that is the key but he does not, not have like the he, players buying in for him but 
it's not like he said okay let's you know press let's pass let's it's like okay you're no. 11 good you're 11 skillful players let's see what you can do it seems to be I, I don't know what he's saying yeah. but it seems yeah. to be and as a coach you got to and he comes up with the philosophy and he talks about Jurgen Klopp and you know Geigen pressing and uh, Klopp looks but you see none of that even being tried so it's just surprising i i wonder what is he doing they came so, up even worse than uh, uh, when ollie was there right uh, at, exactly. at least they were at least going up front and trying to attack and yeah. at least they no, were I, trying I, to yeah. they had some intent to them but under ragnick there is nothing to play for as you said they're not closing players down you know they just stay there close to the close to the play when they're defending but they don't really close them out there's no pressing uh, there's no uh, tracking back. You can see the wing backs yeah. going forward, and then nobody's there. Once I blame the players. Let's let's not forget that it's the no, yeah, players who totally. are playing. But you got to tell the manager as well. Like, come on, like, you know, I think he's also getting off easy. I think a lot of people are not questioning him. Yeah, uh, and I think he's getting off easy, which is you know the uh, interim tag helps the manager always. Agreed, but then I've I I also heard yeah. I've, so I've also heard theories where uh, he's he's come to see what the problems are so that he can help the next manager because he's going to go up in the top room That's a in spin. the management. That's a spin. But exactly, I mean, you've still got to fix something while you're there, yeah. and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't seem uh, as an outsider that he's fixed anything. So maybe Nothing. my opinions are too strong as well. But uh, no, like, it, it also has to do with the the how rotten it has become. Just the culture over there with the Glazers and the CEO and all of these commercialization and the owners taking out dividends every every quarter and not investing anything back into the club. Uh, the stadium seems to be the same that was there like 10 or 15 years ago. Apparently, there's nothing done to the stadium at all. Um, uh, the Glazers are just happy taking dividends out and just enjoying profits. Uh, there has been increased clamor for the last two years for them to sell the club, but I don't think there are any indications that they're going to sell the club. Why would they sell the club? This is uh, a, a profit-making profit machine. machine, exactly. Yeah. So why would uh, why would anybody sell it? So it's just the system itself is rotten. So you need somebody like you know what Alex Ferguson did was he seized control. He sometimes seized control. Uh, uh, he was the most powerful guy in the club after the owners, right? He dictated stuff to the owners as well. So he became the club. So you probably need somebody like that who dictates it at a managerial level, like what Klopp does. So Klopp or Guardiola right now, they're just untouchable at the club, right? So you have you need a guy who builds up uh, those many political points within the club. Yep. To, to which prior, who prioritizes, you know, playing the game versus you know, getting the deals done because those will be done anyway. But just as long as you hire the right people doing the right jobs, you'll be good. Yeah. And just to add to all those miseries, you also had a terrible signing record. Like you've just not got the best out of the players you've signed. So that's True. another thing to add. Uh, yeah. But then that also yeah. ties into who the manager is and what Agreed. what kind of system he's built in, right? So I'm just going to end with, I, I, I think I spent way more time on my net than I thought I would this time. Because we've been talking about them ad nauseum. <laughs> but I'm just going to end with their Twitter, okay? They tweeted during the match. Okay, here we go. We are underway at Anfield. Come on, United. Goal, Liverpool take the lead. A moving tribute to Cristiano and his loved ones with seven minutes played at Anfield. That is pretty cool, by the way. Um, an early sub for United as Paul Pogba is replaced because Paul Pogba got hurt within the first 10 minutes. Goal, 2 0. Half time, behind at the break. Play resumes at Anfield. A half-time change for United. Uh, Jaden Sancho came on for Phil Jones. 
Phil Jones was playing by the way. An hour on the clock at Anfield, some stock pictures from the photographers. Goal, Liverpool. Subs, Hannibal, the young Hannibal who played, I think, left back or right back, who who showed some intent by putting some tackles in because he was very frustrated. Something good came out of it. Goal, Salah, right? That was 4-0. Full-time, 4-0. That is it. That that was all the match time tweets that Man United had. And then it was followed by some reactions and that was it. Then the next time it was all about... Ten Hag is coming. Uh, big, big. Here's a, here's a great announcement video. Uh, or go back 10 years, 15 years, back in time to look at Paul's goals, Ryan Giggs, oh, Hall of Fame, all of that. That is what this the, the Twitter has been reduced to now because they have nothing to look forward to at this moment. Yeah, it's rather unfortunate, but I sincerely hope things will get back on track for United and uh, wish the best for them. But that takes me, excuse me, that takes me to another derby that happened, the London derby. So let's quickly seal this up. Uh, Chelsea uh, played Arsenal. Arsenal uh, won 4-2. Quite entertaining so, game. Quite entertaining game. Uh, well, I'll let you go first. I have strong opinions on this game. Because I've been hearing people say, oh, wow, Arsenal, Arteta, Magic. But if you, die, if you analyze the goals Arsenal really scored, I'm like, you got lucky with that game, actually. So, and... Trichel came out saying something wrong with his pitch in Stamford Bridge. So it's not even an opponent's pitch. So he had some really weird comments. Yeah, that was weird. Pictures. It was, yeah, I don't know. I think he's just trying to put a smoke screen for his players. But that being said, to all, it was a score at one point. So it was a very interesting game with four really good goals scored on both sides. Yeah. Uh, and then the Saka penalty, which Saka clearly pulled Aspel. That was... I'd say that was a wrong decision. So take that goal off. And then, which was the other one? Uh, I forget. So the one before that. And it just seemed like, oh, Arsenal sneaked a win here. And now people are talking about Arteta, how good he is. I'm like, sure, they played very well. Saka is a bright prospect. It was that toe poke, wasn't it? Emil Smith's toe poke. Emil Smith, exactly. Oh, that was a a good goal, actually. So, the build-up was good, though, but the the finish was little. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and but the, here's what I'm. Saying. I think. Oh, NKTA. Uh, my bad. Fifty-seven million NKTA. Eddie NKTA. Yeah. yeah. NKTA. Oh yeah. So, and one. Oh, uh, and which goal. was a goal? One was a. NKTA scored two. Smithrow scored one, and Saka got that penalty. Okay. NKTA yeah. one was the one where he had to finish with the toe poke. It with the at the end they should have cleared. Chelsea should have cleared the ball. Yeah, yeah, it fell. It almost exactly. Play. Yes. So it seemed like, uh, I mean, it, it was maybe it was a great game. I I didn't catch it completely live because I caught only the last part of it. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, I just had. Uh, I wanted to say that okay, Arsenal did well. They beat four two, but then it's not like uh, this is. You can say that oh, they are definitely getting top four. I still have money on Tottenham to actually because only because there's Antonio Conte there. So I have nothing more to add on that. Nothing more to add. Right. It was just an entertaining and game for me. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, okay. I I, I would take away from the entertainment. Actually, Chelsea were in control for the first, the use first ten minutes, and then you did see that Arsenal. Arsenal, you had to give it to them. They did the right things. So I think strategy wise, I I I okay. I'll I'll give it to saying that okay, you came out and did the right things, and it worked out in your favor. So, yeah. Uh, well, well played. So okay. With that being said, quickly, uh, just a Barcelona wrap up horrible time going on like again i mean we not got knocked out by uh frankfurt but uh in the okay, europa, europa league, yeah. we are out of the europa league we lost to cadiz 
uh, and somehow today we scraped a win against Real Sociedad. Obama Young put in a header. We basically have one plan. Earlier it was Messi, now it was Pedri. Pedri is missing, so what do you do? You give the ball to Osman Dembele and hope he whips magic. Turns out the plan is just put the ball to the wings and see what's happening. There's nothing, no vision from anyone. There's no play through the center. So I can go on, I don't want to waste time. Well, Javi is there, so hopefully next season, you know. There's no, I mean, obviously, again, uh, he's he's at least bought us in the top four. The first part of this, I was hoping we make Champions League. Like, that was the goal. I'm like, somehow just reach top four, like, struggle, swim, whatever. So, we are there. Okay, that's fine. But, yeah, hopefully look forward. There's nothing, I mean, we're just basically now playing for a second. And I think it's it's a good place to be in, given where we were at the start of the season. We have a lot of injuries, so looking forward for Anzu Fati, Pedri, Sergi Roberto, and uh, all these folks to be back. So, yeah, let's uh, get out. I think we spent quite some time on football today. Uh, so let's move on to NBA because I really I'm really chomping at the bit to talk about the NBA. All right. Because all right, by the, the way, N- I want yeah, to say ahead. one thing before we wrap up. Yeah. So, and this is a new segment in our podcast. It's called Today I Learned. So, do you know why? I mean, you might know. Maybe I'm just super ignorant. But why it's called Real Sociedad and Real Madrid? So, no, Real in Spanish is a literate translation for Royal. And uh, it's uh, the Royal Society and Royal Madrid, basically. So, oh. I learned that today. So, I found that pretty interesting. So, Sociedad means and, society. Uh, yeah. Okay. So did not know that. And uh, it comes and there's a little bit more history to how uh, Real Madrid got that uh, title. Like they were the Los Blancos in the Whites. Yes. And then uh, they uh, there's a little bit more history which I'm not completely sure, but they gave a uh, they got some permission from the royal family in Spain to put the crown in their logo and stuff. So there's there's history. So if anyone's interested, go check it out. But it's pretty interesting. I learned this today. So I did not know that. So that is pretty cool. All right, moving on to the NBA playoffs. Um, the postseason of the NBA is in full swing. This is where things happen. This is where players make their mark in the world of basketball. Uh, the top eight teams make it to the playoffs, which are the knockout, not the knockout rounds, but it's a series of seven games that uh, one, eight, two, seven, three, six, all of those seats play. Uh, the first round, the first round is underway. Uh, there's some great games going on. Uh, I think there's there are a couple of games going on as we speak right now. Uh, the Jazz are playing the uh, the Utah Jazz is pl- are playing the Dallas Mavericks and Denver Nuggets, who are the team of after my own heart right now, uh, the second favorite team uh, because they have a guy called Nikola Jokic playing for them. Uh, they are playing the Warriors. They are in a tight tight race right now. So some really good uh, games going on. I don't know if you have been catching any of that, Aniket. I've actually only been catching highlights, Gautam. Uh, typically, my serious basketball viewing starts when we're like uh, just playing the finals, the seven games. <laughs> That's when I really get in and watch live. But I did have a few questions because I want to understand this better. So I was going through the standings. There's the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. You just mentioned how you go to the playoffs. But I saw that uh, Bucks have clinched division. What does that mean? So, so, yeah. I know so, there's a conference. You win your conference and you win the other conference. What do you mean by clinching division? Like, I, I didn't get So, it. there's the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, as you know. So, there are, what, 30 teams in the NBA, so 15 each uh, on each side. Within the conference, there are 
uh, I think three or three divisions, I think, per conference. So, for example, if if uh, if you take if you take my team, the Chicago Bulls, they're in what is called as a central division. Okay, with there are five teams, which is people familiar with the U.S. all the Midwest teams. So they have the they have the, they have the Milwaukee Bucks, they have the Chicago Bulls, the Cavs, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Indiana Pacers, and the Detroit Pistons, right? So within the conferences, they are divided into each divisions, and then it doesn't really matter what position you are in with vis-a-vis uh, uh, the division what matters is what position you are in at the conference level but then divisions are helpful if you if there are any tiebreakers so if you have clinched the division and if you have a better head-to-head record that means that you are you are probably uh uh you know going having a an upper seat than the team under you you know so not not really a big thing nobody cares about these divisions in the nba it's just the conference and the conference standings uh but just another way to divide things that's all i think most of it has to do with formerly it was there was two there were two leagues there was the nba and there was the aba and then they merged and i think there is some history related to those divisions i see oh that was a good to know so that takes us to then the reason was i saw bucks uh yanis antetokounmpo's team uh who are playing actually your team the bulls if i'm right to say your team and it's a pretty crazy game uh, i saw i saw the highlights yeah, demar de rosen was on fire as uh, we as we uh, as we are speaking uh, they played two games the the series is tied 1-1 uh, yep. how they how the the games are structured is there are 2-2-1-1-1 right over seven games the, so explain the, what you mean by 2-2-1-1 right. so they play the bucks are the higher seed right that means that the bucks because there are seven games they play at least they play at max four games at home they get because they because by the virtue of them being a higher seed so they get they more get games, more games, at, games home. at home correct okay. so they the first two games are played in the in the, in the teams uh, in the better teams home the next two goes away so if you are the bucks you are the three seed right the the bulls are the six seed so the bucks play two games at home first they go away play two games in chicago come back play one game and go away one game and then come back to play one game again only if needed right if it's a 4-0 sweep there is no need to play the last three games so uh, this is how it works now the bucks have they played the the bucks and the bulls have played two games so far both in milwaukee and the, then the bulls have snuck in a, a snuck in a win uh, somehow uh, they they are this, they are by far the Uh, biggest underdogs the bucks are the defending champs as you said yanis antetokounmpo is there but there is a glimmer of hope because one of their, uh, their no their second best player chris middleton uh, had to uh, uh, walk out of the game because he had a some kind of a calf strain or some kind of a strain so he had to leave the game that gave bulls that little bit of an opening to come through and as you said demar derozan did an excellent job 41 points So some hope for the Bulls though I'm still not holding my breath that they are going to do anything big because they did well they started great at the beginning of this year uh, kind of tapered off at the end they had a really really bad injury luck uh, nothing was going right for them uh, their defense kind of took a deep dive uh, so it, it is it's not been a good time for the Chicago Bulls as the season ended but they made the playoffs great start they need to build on this for the next season I'm not going to hold my hope uh too high for the season with that being said uh, just to add some element of positivity to uh, who's it uh, wusic what's his how do you say his name vucevic uh, 
Nikola Vucevic. That guy is yeah. he's good. Like yeah. I was just watching he he's very promising. I don't know how old he is. He looks uh, pretty uh, late twenties. Yeah. Okay. He. Okay, I was going to say he looks young, but okay, I take that back. <laughs> right. So, uh, but no, yeah, he's actually he, early thirties. He's thirty-one. Oh wow! Okay, but he has some. He has a good game. I mean, I, I liked it. I, I I saw highlights and I I was like, okay, wow, who is it? I read, I tried to read a little bit more about him. So he was with the Orlando Magic earlier. He was their main guy. Uh, the Bulls got him over a trade, I think, a couple of years ago. He's a solid guy. He's probably the third best player on the team after Demar Derozan and Zach Levine. Uh, he's a solid guy who gives you double doubles, which means he scores points in the double digits and gets double digit rebounds, right? So he's been a solid guy. But I really didn't don't want to talk about that series because I really really want to talk about what is probably the best series in all of the playoffs. Might be the best series through the season, which is the Boston Celtics taking on the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. Now the Boston I, Celtics. I waited. I I kept that for the end. Go ahead. Mm. <laughs> right. So, the 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 Boston Celtics are uh, the number two seed. They started this. They started the year very badly. They were just a middling team. They were maybe languishing in like fifth or sixth in the table on the table. Once there's an All Star break, sometime in January, they all the players get about four to five days of break, and then they come back. After that All Star break, I don't know what happened. There's just this transformation that you really don't see from teams like this. They just it almost as if they flipped a switch. They became the best team in the second half of the season. Uh, their defense is just lights out. There's they're by far by far the best defensive team in the league. Uh, they have the star player called Jason Tatum who's on their team who's excellent. He's probably playing like he's the top five player in the league right now. Now they are taking on the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets finished seventh, which uh, which means uh, any team. Uh, this, uh, this started about a couple of years ago, where there's a tournament called the Play-in Tournament, where the seven, eight, nine, ten seeds play in some kind of a tournament, which decides who gets the seventh and the eighth seed. It's like the IPL knockouts, where the seven, seven, eight team plays first, and whoever wins it gets the seventh seed, and then nine, ten plays. The loser of nine, ten gets eliminated, and the winner of nine, ten plays the Loser of the seven eight seed and whoever wins that gets the eight seed. That's, I think I was okay. <laughs> I don't know if it was clear or not. So, no, I, yeah, right. I'm so, listening. right. So seven eight is like that. So by virtue of winning their first playing game, the Nets made it to the seventh seed. Now the Brooklyn Nets have had quite a season. So they started out the season with the big three, quote unquote, with Kyrie Irving, uh, James Harden, and their best player Kevin yeah, Durant. Right yep. now, Kevin, uh, they've had their share of injuries. Kevin Durant missed a few games. Uh, they've had share of controversies. Kyrie Irving was uh, is a no vaxxer, is a no, is it a anti vaxxer, not a no vaxxer, is an anti vaxxer. So he did not take the vaccine. So that means he was uh, based on the state regulations. Uh, he could not play any home games in New York because regulations state in Brooklyn, New York, because the state regulations said that if you are not vaccinated and if you're working, quote unquote in new york you can't show up at a workplace so that means he could not work at home so there was that uh so the, all of these things were playing and on top of this there was james harden uh, james harden was uh, the other this third wheel in this cog who was seen to be uh, one of the guys who can turn things around but he he grew dissatisfied with the team because kyrie was not playing uh, he was not really happy with what he was doing. Uh, 
Kevin Durant was injured. If you know, if you know James Harden and know his track record, if he does not like a situation one bit, he just gives up on you. He just quits on you. There's no other way to say he just quits on you. So he kind of worked his way out of there and got traded to the Philadelphia 76ers, who he plays for. Who he plays for now. Anyway, so that's been Brooklyn's thing. Having said that, they still have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, who are probably the two. Kevin Durant is probably, yeah, Durant is probably the best player in the league, and Irving is in the top ten. So this set up a great first round playoff match series between Celtics and the Nets. Um, as we speak, they've played what two games so far, both in Boston, because the first two games are played there. Uh, uh, Boston won both of those. Game, so they're up 2-0 going back to Brooklyn. Now, the interesting thing... Add, yeah, sorry, go, ahead. Go, ahead, go ahead. No, 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 you do it. No, I was going to say, uh, I must add that this Boston Celtics is nothing like the Celtics I knew. Like, the Celtics I knew was Kevin Garner, Rajon Rondo, Ray Allen, right? And uh, seeing just... And I, I used to follow... I remember this back in the day. I used to actually follow uh, basketball... And now when I look at Celtics, it just seems like, oh, I don't know these folks, <laughs> you know. So it seems like a very different Celtics from the time I saw. I just wanted to pitch in that, yeah. So uh, how how the Boston Celtics are set up is they have all of these switchable wing guys. So they are like 6'6 six, six to 6'9 six, who, guys who, who are athletic, who can defend pretty much any position other than the center position. Uh, they're very switchable, which means that if you set up, if you set a pick and screen somebody to get another defender on you, you can pretty much switch because they can guard pretty much any position other than the center. So they have all these guys. They are, they have the player uh, who is the def- who is the who just got the defensive player of the year award, which is Marcus Smart. So their identity lies within their defense, but they also have a top top scorer in the form of Jason Tatum, right? So uh, the the main thing I want to talk about this series only is because the intensity that they're playing with right now is almost like NBA Finals intensity. Both these games, this just every possession is just intense. Uh, the, the crowd is into it. Everybody knows that this is probably going to dictate who is going to go to the NBA Finals or, or who's going to get out of the Eastern Conference and go to the NBA Finals. So if you are uh, listening to this and if you if you are a very casual NBA fan or uh, if you're you know, if you know, if you like watching basketball but don't follow it, this is the series for you to watch. Uh, there are still at least two games to go. Just watch the series. Just every position is just so intense. High, high voltage stuff. I was actually uh, watching the highlights of the game because I, I didn't catch it live. But it, so Celtics were trailing at least sometime our second game. They were trailing through and through. And then they came through in, I think, the fourth quarter, I think. They flipped the switch in the fourth quarter, man. That's yeah, when they... It just, it, yeah. I, I, was, I was basically looking at the game and I'm like, Oh, and I didn't know what the result was, obviously. So I was like, oh, maybe Nets are going to make this one all and it's going to be like the, uh, what do you call, uh, Bucks bulls thing. But then from nowhere, it just, uh, like, flipped. And then, and I think Tatum had a great game. Uh, uh, yeah. But I, as, as I said, it has to do with more with, it has to do more with the defense because, as I said, uh, uh, as you said, uh, the, I think the Nets were leading by 13, 14 points at one stage. Uh, I was re- I was listening to another podcast where the guy was saying, this is a true stat. In the fourth quarter, apparently, the the Brooklyn Nets scored just two points from like the 11-minute mark to the three-minute mark or the two-and-a-half-minute mark in the fourth quarter, right? So, that, so, literally, they flipped the switch in the fourth quarter, they just shut them out. And you're talking about... 
uh, starting players like Kevin Durant, who is just a prolific scorer, and then you also have Kyrie Irving, right? Who is just amazing. So just to shut those two players down like they did tells you how how much of a favorite Celtics are moving forward now. Does it mean that they're going to win the series? It, it probably not. The next two games are probably going to decide where the series is headed. But man, the Celtics are good. But then I just wanted to add uh, to that aspect of when you talk about defense, uh, not only shutting Kevin Durant and Irving down, but they literally stole position from them and transitioned to like about three, four times during the game. It was just, it was snatching uh, the ball away. Yeah, exactly. And how they did it, it was I was like, wow. And then. It just seemed, and I, I was a little surprised though that Kevin Durant also lost the ball that sim- easily. But then, uh, yeah, just point. That was very uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic yeah. to see Kevin Durant do that. But they were shutting them. It, it has, it ha- I think it has more to do with uh, Celtics defense than Kevin Durant's offense. Now, great players like Durant will figure stuff out. He's going to come out with. Uh, he started off the game really well, so he still scored quite a few number of points. But I think he's going to adjust and adapt and now they're going back to Brooklyn so we'll see what happens they're going to be more comfortable but that's pretty much all I want to talk about as far as NBA playoffs Anikit just if you are a if you are not a fan of basketball if you've never watched NBA and if you want to check this series out Boston Celtics versus Brooklyn Nets alright that's noted and with that we can uh, touch upon something you want to talk about in tennis Gotham so and then I think we'll wrap up right so uh, Wimbledon made an announcement or uh, yesterday. I think they made a statement yesterday. They said they're going to ban all Russian and Belarusian players from the Wimbledon Championships this year. Uh, that means that it's going to put the likes of the world number two, Daniel Medvedev, on the men's side and world number four, Arena Sabalenka, on the women's side uh, out of this tournament. Uh, this is another classic case of uh, Aniket Sports and politics kind of you know intersecting and uh, the tournament having been not forced into doing and taking action but uh, they need to show the people that they are showing that they're taking some action I think so what do you make of this what's your take on this I'm going to give my opinion after what you think well uh, what is my take on this so it's very interesting uh, I don't necessarily agree with this but I don't know from a decision-making point of view, what better you could do? Because I feel, uh, again, collateral damage. Classic example of collateral damage. I don't think Medvedev has anything or even Sabalenka has anything to do with this uh, particular war. I do understand situations, for example, maybe it's not the best example, but uh, F1, Haas, right? Because the Mazepin family, which was the uh, for, uh, sponsor, main sponsor for Haas, Ural Kali is a company, it's an agriculture company, and it has been widely acknowledged and rumored also because I'm not 100% sure but uh, when Putin announced the war Mazepin Dimitri Mazepin was actually in the room a day prior and stuff so along he with was one uh, of the big, Abramovich he, exactly and he was one of the big oligarchs so uh, I understand that taking a direct hit on uh, Haas because there's a direct connection yes I see that Chelsea is struggling Roman Abramovich's accounts have been seized. He said he's willing to give, which is a side note, because ESPN said that uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, I think Wilson uh, Williams are pitching in to take control of the club. So again, one thing I think any football fan will agree is Roman Abramovich is one of the, been one of the best owners for a club. He's 
really taken care of the club pretty well whatever keeping politics aside so uh, i understand why because he was in the room with putin and he has money he can change the situation the war but with medvedev sablink i don't know what the rules are but i feel it's rather unfair because some nutty uh, person in your government did something uh, stupid uh, you, the buck being passed down the chain to a player who is just making his livelihood it's it's i think it's rather simplistic view to punish the guy down the chain than actually uh, the person who is causing the trouble so i i, I 100% makes, uh, 100% agree with you um djokovic uh, came out and said that it's kind of crazy that these players have been banned um uh he actually said you know i've seen war i've i've went through a war in the 90s with in serbia and yugoslavia and all of that and all of that stuff then it went down there so being a product of war he said something like this is a crazy action i 100% agree with you i think wimbledon found themselves in the middle of it's like classic right if you are an organization you are you have to be seen that you are taking some kind of a stand with some kind of a dare i say it a popular stand right you see the premier league like we are talking about england right because wimbledon is there we talk about the premier league uh, they've taken a stand because roman abram which was directly connected with vladimir putin so they they were in a position to take a stand against him then sanctioned him and they said you're no longer the owner of the club that makes sense but for a for a tournament like wimbledon the, you're not dealing with teams you're not dealing with team owners who are direct connections you are dealing with individual players who are hailing from a country x okay so if you are dalil medvedev or let's say if you are even if you are remotely linked to a sponsor that is backed by putin right then i can maybe see the point but to just have a blanket ban on russian and belarusian players just because there is a uh, a war going on a unfair invasion going on in ukraine which has nothing to do with what medvedev is doing or nothing to do with what sabalenka is doing is extremely extremely unfair it is collateral damage but i think it's extremely an unfair collateral damage it is uh, there is no need to do this you could have still taken a stand and issued a statement and said look we are completely against what putin is doing stop we are we stand with ukraine we stand uh, with the citizens of ukraine you can take a stand that way and say here is here is a Uh, you can even there are other ways you know where all these uh, organizations are donating to all of these charities that help uh, the refugees out there uh, england has some refugees coming in uh, you can still support uh, ukrainians in whichever way you can there are a lot of organizations doing a lot of work you could have taken a stand that way and said you know here is a donation for and marked for uh, displaced refugees or you know whatever it is just take a stand against russia and take a stand for ukraine instead of banning players and trying to make examples out of them i don't know what the point is yeah this is a kind of classic example of what you call lip service like you know doing something for the sake of it uh, i think it's not fair uh, that's my limited point you're yeah, you're, extremely, you're, extremely. you're 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 attacking the lowest rung of the ladder which is uh, basically maybe trapped in the problem as well like you know if you ask them their private opinions they might in all i don't know what their opinions are but they might be against it but then you are going and attacking them for something the government is doing which is rather unfair and unfortunate this, yeah this actually. yeah this seems like punishing somebody just because they were born in a country you know born in a specific country so which is extremely unfair on the place because they themselves have no links they they themselves have nothing to do with the war if you as you said if you ask them privately who knows what their opinions are so 
it's it's you are putting them in an extremely tough situation right so and it, i it, i understand like if if medvedev came out saying no what we are doing is right i'm going to join the army I mean, it's a hypothetical situation right but i understand yes you know it's so imagine imagine not, not right because yeah. now i don't know it for example there was this russian tennis player classic example he wrote on a camera no war please i think yes, uh, yes. it went viral yes. now what is, is he allowed to play or no that's a question right exactly like now how, yeah so you know you yeah this is a slippery and you're also putting players in a position where uh let if if they call if they call uh, if they call the decision to ban these players let's say medvedev comes out and says uh, what they're doing is crazy they shouldn't do that now he will be seen as somebody who's for war right so he really can't make a statement because he'll be seen exactly. as somebody taking a stand for russia and now and he also can't what anti national yeah. exactly. <laughs> so. exactly right so he can't do that you're putting players in a very very awkward and tough position um if if let's say next year he comes out and says i'm going to boycott wimbledon for next 2 years i'm not going to play then he'll be seen as a, uh, he he'll be seen as somebody who's probably supporting the war right so you're putting players in an extremely tough position so i think it is extremely unfair no i agree and uh, i think uh, better i mean bet these are governing bodies i mean they're like i don't know what they sometimes are thinking it, it's surprising like it just uh, i don't know Have you have a responsibility to, to stand what is right for what is right obviously but then there are ways to do it this is not this is unfortunately not the way to do it yeah i hope i mean i i just my only limited point is i hope they had a more nuanced stand this is a rather simplistic well uh, they do not because you know, they would have said that in a statement they clearly don't yeah i i agree i agree but i'm i'm saying i wish they had uh, more yeah. nuanced and uh, yeah i i i personally don't agree with this because this is a, sets a wrong precedent again that's the problem once you have a wrong precedent set it it's very easy to catch on to bad things you know it's yeah. like it, it it doesn't take much to go down the wrong yeah. uh, road but it's okay uh, let's uh, i don't know that that's all i had for uh, this yep okay that's about it then um, i think that's all i had uh, aniket if you don't have anything i think we should move ahead for uh, with uh, our recommendations Okay, go ahead, Gautam. So, what are your recommendations? Okay, so my my my, I have only one recommendation because this this is something that came up. You are talking about watching all these fast bowlers videos on YouTube. Uh, just search for uh, Vasiki Makram versus Australia on YouTube. You'll find a lot of links. Specifically, look for nineteen uh, ninety uh, MCG. <laughs> He just bowls uh, a spell to Mark Taylor. There is all of these. Uh, uh, videos on there so you can watch a lot of these but look for 1990 and wasim akram in australia he, he just completely rattles i think the video reads wasim rattles taylor so martel just literally can't read him it's just impossible so he, he actually gets he i think he he, he gets dropped uh there is also michael slater on there where he's plumb lbw but it is a no ball there's batsmen are not picking him out at all picking him up at all so it's just so watch wasim akram was watched on youtube that's all i have all right that's actually a good one i i i stumble up that's my like i said wasim akram and breaking stumps is my <laughs> youtube search typically when i'm bored but with that being said so one recommendation i i think i've already maybe i've given this already uh, uh but because you spoke about the bulls it's the last dance uh go check out the last dance 
uh, and in case that's a repeated uh, one, I don't want to repeat myself. So one thing I'd like to add is I saw Kipchoge, The Last Milestone. So it's a fantastic documentary. Uh, it's about uh, the Kenyan long distance runner, Irut Kipchoge, who basically set the sub two hour marathon uh, distance mark. It was obviously not an official marathon because it was set up. Uh, by Nike to just see if a, if a human could break that seen as impossible seen as impossible is something like what Roger Bannister did like the 4 hour uh, 4 minute mile basically so this was the two sub 2 hour marathon and it, it's uh, I think it's a two part uh, or I, I saw it in two parts maybe but it's there on uh, MDB and it's called the last marathon it talks about Kipchoge in general the kind of person he is and how they train to do this and it's very interesting and there's also connections to why typically uh, people from Kenya and that part of Africa are actually very good runners because it turns out that uh, they're extremely hilly regions so these people so a lot of people now go and train in hilly regions so when they come and run in uh, what do you call your body acclimatizes to taking lower oxygen and you perform much better when you come to lower altitude so altitude training has become a thing as well so I liked it. I'd say go watch it. It's really, especially if you like running. I love running. So watch it. I was going to say because, because yeah, you heroes. do run. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing uh, runner that guy is. Yeah. All right. I uh, just so hope he breaks it in a actual marathon. Like That would be crazy. I'm sure it's going to happen. It's, it, it's going to happen someday. Yeah. It's going to be very tough. But uh, yeah, we'll see. If not Kipchoge, somebody else will go is going to do it. There's no doubt about it. He's, this is going to be broken. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but having said that, I think we are at the end of the show. Uh, I'd like to thank producer Lippy for producing this podcast, who's been very patient with us. Uh, do do uh, for our listeners do go to newstonder.com, Do subscribe. Pay to keep news free. Uh, when you pay to keep news free, you get all kinds of. Uh, I, w- I shouldn't say objective journalism, but journalism without uh, any agenda. So. Uh, please check out our news our website newstonder.com hit that subscribe button please don't watch any news channels please do not watch any kind of 24 by 7 news channels please uh just the stuff going on it's nothing new uh, it's been going on for the last decade or so so don't watch any news channels instead subscribe to independent news news platforms like news laundry go check it out guys so i'll add to gotham pay to what gotham said pay to keep news free and there is an agenda actually and the agenda should serve the subscribers so you get served so uh, you pay you keep news you get news you want that you care about so and that's how democracy flourishes so subscribe gift a subscription if necessary to people because uh, uh, and watch a lot of sport because there's nothing better than coming home and watching the IPL rather than uh, some news channel at that same time prime time news channel prime time news shouting go watch sport sport unites uh, in some fine ways and it's there's nothing better than it's there's no form of entertainment in my books better than live sport so uh, watch anything and have a good week thank you aniket thanks everybody all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.